0: Are you an agency owner who could never imagine handing over your agency's sales process to someone besides yourself? Actually, did you just chuckle at yourself when I said sales process? Because you know I'm being very generous with the use of the word process there. Or have you tried to hand over your agency's new business development to a salesperson you hired only to have it crash and burn? If so, you're going to enjoy the advice today from Lee McKnight Jr. He's the VP of sales at RSWUS, an outsourced business development firm built specifically for agencies. He shares today the four common mistakes agency owners often make when hiring a new salesperson, some compelling stats from their recent 2023 ad agency new business report, and a four-part framework to make your new business development efforts more manageable. As always, we'll start out this episode of Agency Life with a story, and this one is fresh. Just a few days ago, Lee was talking to an agency owner who'd just gotten burned pretty badly after hiring a new business development director and things did not go as planned.
1: Talking to an agency principal and I'm I'm talking to agencies every day. I had not heard this, though. And what he said was, yeah, you know what? We were feeding him initially internal leads. And he was doing okay following up with those. And okay, so far, so good. That's that's one great way to have a process in place. Why not do it that way? The principals don't have time to do that typically. But everything else, he had this amazing pipeline in his CRM that he was showing them. And wow, you, you're killing it. These are all warm and hot prospects. Well, it turns out that some of them might have been completely made up. You're still not 100% sure. But about half of them were just if they had even opened one email, that was now a hot prospect. If they had shown any semblance of interest, oh, they're hot prospects and filled up the CRM and was basically taking them for a ride on this for a good several months. And they were giving him and kudos to them. The salesperson, it does take time. I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit, but uh, I hadn't heard that exactly. Although I'm sure some agency principals are watching this or nodding their head. But I think there's one thing that and we'll talk about hiring that, man, it is it is tough and they're not unicorns. They're out there, but it's a process to get the right people in there.
0: Oh man, as someone who took over agency sales from a founder, I can remember the trepidation in his voice of, you know, exactly what you were alluding to there is this, you know, I know that in order to invest in the right person, it's going to take some investment, it's going to take a little bit to see if this pays off, but also not only am I kind of handing over this process of being the the first face that my potential clients see, but potentially handing over, you know, a, a decent paycheck right. for the first quarter, a couple quarters as we see how this is going. So it's definitely a, a challenge and one that's fraught with a lot of emotion and potentially, you know, being burned, as you called out here. Yeah. Man, that one just completely cooking the books and uh, not having a process in place for what is an opportunity? What is a deal is one learning there, but the, I'm sure we're going to get into a ton more.
1: Yeah. And I think you bring up another good point, which is it is it is a monetary investment, of course. And as you said, can be a pretty good layout. But, you know, what it also is, is a time investment. And I think one of the lessons there, too, uh, and not not picking on this one agency I was talking to, and I think they'd be the first to admit it is, did you lay all this out up front and have this in your mind of what that process was going to be or ask that person? What that process is going to be, and I'm sure we'll dig into that a little deeper. But um, it's a two way street, right? It's not just time investment; it's a it, or money. It's a time investment. If you're going to hire that individual, you got to give them the time. But for them to do the job, but also you are going to have to spend time with them. They can't just instantly absorb everything that needs to be done, or or how they're going to sell, whether it's the messaging or case studies or, or what have you. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: Lee, you know, we've both talked to and know a lot of agency owners who have struggled to either put a sales process in place for themselves. And, you know, at times that's okay. They're able to work on their word of mouth and referral. But as we've talked about on the show previously, that does eventually dry up. And also not having that can keep them from successfully bringing on a salesperson, a business development director, and being able to get out of that founder-led sales process. What do you think are some of the main reasons agency owners hesitate to install that sales process, whether they're looking to do that now just to make sure that they're being methodical about their own sales efforts or in preparation to hand that off to someone they hire or someone they outsource it to?
1: You know, uh, well, up front, it's what everyone might be thinking. It's 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 time. We work predominantly with small and mid-sized agencies and some larger ones as well, but the small and mid-sized firms tend to need that help the most, right? And so part of it is, look, clients have to come first. That's just the way it is, right? Well, it's centuries old, but that cobbler's children kind of fable, if you will, comes up still today. So that's why I'll still use it. But, you know, it's never having enough time for yourselves. And I think one of the things that we're always, especially as I'm talking to agencies, whether they're working with us or not, it's you need to make yourself one of your best clients, you know, and that you're going to have to take that time. And I think one of the things that holds agencies back and, and from implementing something like that is thinking that how re, I can't do this. I mean, there's so many moving pieces and, and there are. But I think one of the biggest things is just agencies bless them because a lot of them are creatives. We will have clients come on board that say, you know, you get me in the room we can close this, but it's all those pieces and the follow-up and breaking through and getting in the door. I don't want to do that. And, or I'm not good at it or both on top of, you know, the time it takes. So look, you get it. A lot of, you know, a lot of it is I didn't start this agency to do this part of it, you know? So, and, and, okay, great. Ideally have the wherewithal to say, okay, if you don't want to do it, somebody has to. And so I think that's that's one of the biggest impediments I think up front is just not and, and and it's not a knock it's it's we get it you're an agency whether that's creative or whatever type they are you're not a sales organization but it's got to happen so I think that's probably the biggest
0: Yeah. If they are able to get over that kind of misperception that putting any sort of sales process in is gonna make them too salesy. What are some of the the ways that they can start down that path lead to so like you said, if they can dedicate the time, if they can get over that misperception of, well, if I define my sales process, then it's gonna feel icky, it's gonna feel, Hmm. you know, it's not gonna feel natural, it's not gonna feel organic. And that's the way right, wrong or indifferent that we've sold up to now, I've gotten the agency to to this point. How do you start to advise them to start to install that sales process?
1: Yeah, the biggest piece of it, and I think you even kind of started to touch on it there, and that is just having realistic expectations out of the gate, especially so there's two parts of that. The one is just in terms of, again, that non-salesy approach. I think it's interesting. Part of it is just that passion is going to come through Number one, in terms of just being non-salesy and embracing who it is you are as an agency, your messaging, your positioning, and how you're going to reach out to these individuals. But the biggest piece of that is what I just said previously, the realistic expectations. If you're going to go in thinking that I'm going to give either ourselves or this person we just hired, I have literally heard this out of the mouths of agency owners before. You know what? We get we, we got rid of our person, our new business director. It wasn't working out. I was like, all right, that stinks. So what was any, any, you don't mind me asking any particular reason? We gave him a couple of months, just wasn't working out. And I'm like, stop there. Okay. A couple of months is nothing. I'm like, stop. Cause if you're only giving people a couple of months, we, we need to talk about whether we should keep talking right now. And I've seen it go the other way where, you know, it's been two or three years. We haven't closed a piece of business not a ton of meetings. And it's like, okay, that's very generous of you. You need to stop that now, you know, because that's way too long. So I think part of it is just understanding that in what we typically see. And and it's in that report I mentioned, it's it's the 2023 RSW Agency New Business Report. 2023 has been a little bit tough and it's taking from first meeting to close minimally six months. And that's, you know, it's like you're a branding firm, It's probably going to be more like 12 because those projects don't happen all the time, right? SEO firm. Yeah, you're probably going to be in there, but I think ultimately it's understanding that you're not going to see a million meetings out of the gate. You're, you're probably not going to close business in those first couple of months. You might, you might be one of the 30 or so percent that does, but you've got to be open to the fact that this is a process, whether you're doing it or you're hiring someone to do it and understand that at about the six month point, yes, you should have. Meeting activity, you should have, you know, seven, eight, nine of those minimally good quality meetings and start to see proposal activity. But understanding that it may take you a full 12 months to close a piece of business, depending on who you're going after and some of the verticals, you know, that you're in. If you're a pharma agency, yeah, it's probably going to take that long maybe. But if you're going after, you know, mid-tier or lower, could be quicker than that. So I think that that's one of the biggest things.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you call out rightly so there, Lee, the type of agency you are, the services that you deliver, the industries that you sell to. Those are definitely going to be variables. But I'd like to drill into this setting expectations a bit. Whether you're trying to, I want to say overhaul, but that's being a little bit too generous, install some sort of sales (laughs) process in your agency. Again, whether that's we want to put some process in for myself as the founder to do this better in preparation for handing that off, or I'm going to try and hire someone or outsource it. So you were saying it's important to set expectations and you gave some good examples of timing, for instance, how you could swing too far to the left or to the right. What are some of the other things that you recommend getting clear on? And again, you might not have specific recommendations for a specific listener here because you don't know what type of agency, what their sales process and their service, but other than timing, like getting some things installed, like what are your deal stages? How do you follow up after a discovery meeting? What are some of those elements that are common across the board that they could start to think about? Okay, my hit list to start to build V1 of a a sales process that is more than we get on calls and then we try and get them to sign.
1: I look at that really kind of two ways. So there's what you're referring to, right, which is the let's just call it the mental preparation. I mean, in terms of what are those pieces, as you talked about going down the funnel, for example, but then there are also literally the tools that they'll use. And I think, you know, agencies tend to bite off way more than they can chew on both these fronts. I'll I'll go to to the latter just in terms of literally those tools, something like a CRM or or software that you need that they will buy everything and realize that we probably just need like four things to start, if if that, right? Because quite frankly, most agencies you talk to, small and mid-sized firms, are not using a CRM, for example. They're using the Excel spreadsheet. That comes up in our reports as like the number two tool. And look, if if you're at least you're doing something, but eventually. You're going to have to lose that spreadsheet. But I think going back and and to fully answer your question, and I go back to biting off more than they can chew often, it's you don't need 3,000 prospects out of the gate. And you're not going to have to create 18 posts every week. It's a bit of an exaggeration, I realize. But, but the pieces that you do need, ultimately, you look at, take a step back. I always say baby steps. What are the basics? How are you going to look at this where you go in and you don't just hurt yourselves after three weeks. Like, I can't keep doing this. What have we done? I like to break it down in like those four pieces, right? So the first, you know, in whatever order you like, and you already touched on a few. Referrals. It's the number one we have in the report I mentioned. That's the number one tool. It's not truly a tool, but that agencies always say that's how we get most of our leads. Of course, but they're not dependable, right? I mean, if that's all you're doing, that may provide you work for a long time, but eventually it's not going to be as stable or as often as you like So referrals being that number one, number two, that organic growth, you know, and I'm looking at UAEs, right, where you need to have a plan in place to understand and have your AEs understand that you're touching new business and it needs to be an agency wide endeavor. Now, some of these folks in the agency aren't literally touching it every day, but you have to help them to understand that even with what you are doing not even, that, I don't mean that the right way, but I mean, in relation to new business, you're touching that too. It may not be direct every day, but this is an agency-wide endeavor. I think that's important too. The third piece is the outbound piece. And with that, it is baby steps. It's look, you also have to think about how much new business do you really need? Now, any answer from an agency owner might be like as much as we can get. It's like, well, yes. <laughs> but literally, if you look at the books and what you might have to replace, you know, and if it's a solid client, and ideally you're going after the right size of client where it's not... We have 80 clients that pay us this and we're killing ourselves versus we have 12 that are solid clients providing us with the, you know, the cash that we need to pay our people and take care of ourselves. But ultimately, I think that you got to have the outbound piece and understand that do what you can do and test it out with not a thousand companies, pick 20 companies, start off with 20 companies and understand that you're going to eventually need something like a CRM. But to start, you probably have all the tools you need already there that, are, that you're either paying for already or that might be no cost, for example. And then lastly, it's that inbound and that content piece. And, you know, what I thought was kind of interesting in, the, in our report was we had only 30% of agencies are using AI right now for business development. And I wasn't too shocked by that. I even thought maybe that was, I was like, I'm impressed that it's that high. But the flip side, 70% said for client work. They're using AI. So I think it's AI is scary, it's scary for all of us. If the terminators take over, we're in trouble. But, but I think, you know, in terms of you've got to embrace a tool like that now, you need to understand how to, how to do those prompts correctly where it's, it's going to help you and be a tool that you can use. And I think with inbounding content agencies, that's the last thing they do. And some do it very well. But I can tell you, AI right now, I would never let it write a blog post for me, although I think it's already getting close. But man, it's it absolutely helps. And any agency that says they don't have time today is is wrong because you don't even have to have a blog on your site. You can put these on LinkedIn and do quite a good job so that ongoing, you can show your prospects, we are the experts. There's a reason we're reaching out to you. And this, again, just shows our thought, our thoughts and our thinking around the type of work that we do. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. By the time of the release of this episode, it'll probably be on demand on our website. We're doing a webinar in our monthly series here under the same umbrella as this podcast, Agency Life. And we're hosting a HubSpot Elite partner by the name of New Breed, And we wanted to dive deeper into AI. We just finished a research report for agencies as well, focused more on the operations side, but very similar in what we saw in the adoption of of AI and uh, the Reason we wanted to, to bring on an agency that's adopting AI and talk about some of the use cases is exactly what you said there, Lee. I think a lot of agencies are looking at AI as a potential tool for doing the client work, but they're not necessarily thinking about, hey, this could help with internal operational efficiencies. This could help on the back end of what we're doing. And maybe some of that could turn into new services or better services that we can deliver to the client. So it's not just client facing. There are a a few different aspects to this that agencies that are making it through uh, admittedly a tough year for for a lot they are looking at this more than just kind of the the myopic view that i've seen out there in some of the conversation around ai so, Lee, tell me a little bit about some of the advice that you're giving agency owners when they're ready to get out of founder-led sales. So, you mentioned some of the pitfalls already: uh, not giving it enough time, giving it too much time. You start to <laughs> think about these different uh, mechanisms that that you can use. So looking at systematically, how do we generate referrals? Number one, on your list of four. Two, getting everyone involved in new business development in some ways. And then three and four, looking at how do we do some outbound, some inbound. It's not like we have to go after thousands of accounts, but as they start to implement some of those things, what are some of the other common pitfalls that you see in addition to the first one we checked off, right? Yeah, They're right. giving it too much time or not enough time.
1: There are really kind of four key mistakes in our mind, and 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 just in talking to agency principals, when they are trying to hire internally, for example, when they're trying to get out of that founder led, and they're they're looking at at making that hire. And I think, B, I'm trying to think what we everything we just laid out beyond those pieces that you just mentioned. Again, one of those is hiring for the person's network right and and i i could date myself and say rolodex but then half the audience is going to be like i don't know what that is <laughs> but in all sincerity it really you know it's and i get it because you have these individuals and typically it's an agency you know obviously you know they're hiring someone there that's local and they'll you know they're impressed by wow okay yeah you do have a great network And they sell a good game. And of course, what happens is the network will run out. And then we saw this during the pandemic too. If they don't have the inside, you know, sales skills and the chops where they're not out hobnobbing or at happy hours, which can be fantastic, mind you. But if they don't have all those pieces, especially on the inside sales track, once their network runs out, they're pretty much done. That's one. The second one is where, and bless them again, agencies hire green. Or try to hire cheap. And typically that, that often means someone who's younger, maybe out of college doesn't mean they can't do really well, but it, it goes back to not only being a monetary investment, but a time investment. It will work if that agency principal or principals are willing to invest the time that it will take, whether and quite frankly, whether they're green or not, you should still be doing this. Again, what I hear from agencies a lot of times when oh, we had to let this person go, you know, they, they really just didn't get our agency. I'm like, that can't be a reason. Because that's on you then. And now, granted, they're going to have to do that homework, of course, but you as an agency owner and principal are going to have to do some of that work up front to make sure, especially if they are green, doesn't mean it can't work, but you're going to have to invest the time to help them make it work and maybe some training too. Third, I would say is not digging deep enough into that individual's proposed plan or the process they're going to put into place. Granted, you're interviewing them, right? So you can't ask for like literally how it's going to go because some of that you just aren't going to know. But I've seen too many hires where they never even got close to that question of like, what does the process look like for you? You know, what are Mm -hmm. the channels you're going to use? What do you expect that we might need to purchase? You know, a lot of questions like that never get asked and then they get hired and it's like, They don't really have a process. It's just so there's that. And then lastly, I think it's just and we this is when we actually did touch on, I think, and it's failing to define the new business position clearly up front, because one person, if they are assigned or they are responsible for every piece of business development, they have to almost be superhuman. So bless any of you and all of you doing that on your own, because you have to let them know, Okay, are you expecting that this business development director to be top of the funnel, to be creating lists or purchasing prospecting lists, all the messaging, the case studies, everything that goes into it, then prospecting themselves and then writing proposals, maybe RFP responses, pitching to do all that without any help at all is almost impossible. Some have done it and I, (laughs) I praise them, but sincerely it's, it's, you, you have to spread that out or I should say, tell that individual exactly what they are going to be doing and understand that they're going to need help. So you're going to have to help them with some of your people, you know, internally. So those, those are probably the main things that, that we, and I see, you know, in in terms of trying to make that change.
0: Hey there, it's Logan with Teamwork.com. I wanted to take a quick timeout from this conversation to ask you just a few questions. Are you an agency leader looking at the year ahead with concerns about AI, inflation, employee turnover, and client retention all at the same time? Are you curious how your peers are managing similar concerns and thinking about the path forward? If so, I've got some good news for you. Teamwork.com recently partnered with Audience Audit to gather responses from over five agencies around the globe into a comprehensive research report, the State of Agency Operations 2023 edition. And to make it easy for you as a regular listener of Agency Life, we've linked to it right in the description of this episode. So if you want insights from fellow agency leaders about how they're managing profitability, employee utilization rates, the use of new AI tools, and over-servicing clients, check that link in the description of this This episode and access the 2023 state of agency operations report today. All right, let's get back to the rest of the conversation with today's guest.
1: Tell that individual exactly what they are going to be doing and understand that they're going to need help. So you're going to have to help them with some of your people, you know, internally. So those, those are probably the main things that, that we and I see, you know, in in terms of trying to make that change.
0: Yeah, that is a great list of four. If nothing else, I'm sure folks are, if you're listening to this, you've gotten more than that, but write down that list. If you are in the process of, you know, trying to hire a salesperson or outsource or whatever the case is, get out of that founder-led sales. Those four mistakes, don't hire for the person's network. Don't hire too cheap. Don't fail to ask them for their process and their plan and ask some of those questions. What channels are you going to use? What tools are you going to need? And then number four, don't Fail to define the job description very clearly. And like as you were talking there, Lee it was bringing back memories of where I brought on salespeople to an agency and they came from SaaS sales where, Mm -hmm. oh, they had a sales ops department. They had people with Zoom info that were, you know, they were doing outbound, but a lot of the work in determining who to reach out to, how to reach out, they had sales loft installed or outreach and other tools that we didn't have as a small agency. And it was like, When I said doing outbound and you said I've done outbound, those meant two different things. And we didn't realize that in the interview process. Those sorts of things I'm sure you've seen before,
1: right? Such a great point, right? They had, yeah, I didn't touch on that. They had all this. And now going to a small, mid-sized firm, oh, 100%. That's got to be the fifth, right? 100% because you're right. You may not be on the same plane, if you will, at all in terms of what they're telling you, what you're thinking. So, yeah, that's a great point.
0: What else stood out to you, Lee, in the report that you guys just did, that agency new business report? And we will link to that in the description of this episode. But curious to hear, you know, what else maybe stood out to you or surprised you or maybe confirmed kind of what you guys are hearing from a lot of agencies when it comes to their new business development efforts, especially as we've been facing a unique environment here in 2023?
1: Yeah, and, and it's interesting because we were fortunate enough to get a nice piece in an Adweek, for example, and it was completely factual and I got interviewed for it, which was nice, but it comes off pretty bleak. And I've been telling agencies I've been talking to over the past three weeks since that has come out, right? Is that Yes, it has been rough, not for every agency, but definitely there should be optimism. I mean, realistically, not just kind of Pollyanna. Oh, it's going to be better, but sincerely, it's, and we've already seen it by the end of this past quarter and moving into, to here into this one, we're seeing it free up and our own agency clients have gotten some really nice closes. So I think part of it was just marketers pulling back because they were just getting freaked out just ante- completely anecdotally, obviously, but you know, there, there were some tough. Stats in there. I mean, I'm looking at a couple here that 58% of agencies said it's been harder or a lot harder to obtain new business this year so far, whereas last year it was 43%. The year before it was 28 So it's creaked up quite a bit. It's getting harder and harder, and it is. However, part of that is because All your prospects, agencies speaking to you generally, are getting bombarded by the emails you're getting too. And if half of them, and they are probably bots at this point, and this might sound corny or, or silly, but you're reaching out to another human being. And if you were just, if anything you're writing, and we don't just use email. So we're using social where it makes sense. We hate cold LinkedIn selling. We're using physical mail which might sound old school, but it still works. And then email and phone calling, which also still works. And I'm not trying to make this a commercial for us because agencies should and can do this for themselves. Absolutely. In terms of the tools they're using. But I think part of it is just, if you go out there and show these individuals, you speak their language in that vertical, for example, and the challenges they're facing versus the emails that we're getting, like, I don't know why every salesperson today wants to buy me a steak. I mean, I'll take it, I guess, (laughs) or a Yeti. I'm like, okay. Yes. and, And I, right. I mean, I get it. That's Fine. And that can be a part of something, maybe, but that shouldn't be your cell, the cell. It's a, you're going to get a Yeti. It's like, I don't even know why. How can you help me? You've not shown me at all how you can help me. So agencies need to take heart that, yes, that stat is a little jarring, but I think ultimately we need to be optimistic, right? Because I think the hiring for the new, new business director position is tough too, because it's at the second lowest level since we started this report. In 2010, just 36 percent of agencies hired a new business director in the past three years. Last year it was 32, so that's not giant, you know, in terms of of the differential there. But it's not a big number, and we get it because they get burned a lot. And I, re- I mentioned the AI. I think you know the only other maybe thing I'd I, I'd say was 41 percent of agencies saying the dollar volume of new opportunities decreased relative to last year. That's one of those where there's a lot of these stats in this report where, where agencies, if you really look inside yourselves, not to sound too lofty, you can control a lot of this if you just put a plan of some sort in place. Fortunately, that one stat obviously is not on you. And so I think part of what we saw this year, and it was a little tough for some agencies, was, OK, you know what? Our, our average project size is 150 grand. 200K, let's just say. And you know what? But we're taking like 80K and 60K. Having said that, though, where we did see that work was where it was in their wheelhouse. It was still within whatever vertical they were going after. And they saw that they could land and expand. And that did happen a lot. So it might have hurt a little bit to be like, oh, man, this is not paying the bills and the team like it like we need it to. But number one, We're kind of going to have to do it, but it's not just, oh, we'll do this website for three grand, some insane thing like that. It's no, we could work for this company ongoing and for a long time. So we'll do what's essentially a paid test here in order to get our foot in the door. So that's probably some of the key, key stats from the report.
0: Yeah. Some really good stuff there, Lee. My wheels were turning on a couple of things. You touched on, you know, revisiting what is your positioning. We had a great episode several weeks back here on this podcast with Nick Bennett at Harness and Hone. Mm, nice. And he talked about how a lot of agencies, you know, will either, as you said there, Lee, whether it's outbound or it's content on social, they'll talk about a potential solution or we could, with this or that, but their message isn't really clear on what problem do they solve. Excellent. And yep. for anyone who missed that one, check that out in the description as well. Lee, as you were talking, two other questions came to mind. I, if it's cool with you, I want to hit you with those before we get to our final two segments. So we sure. were touching on a couple of examples, a couple of channels that we haven't really touched on for agencies in trying to generate new business. Some that might be surprising to folks. I mean, social was one, I think. Uh, I'm a big fan there. We've touched on some examples of what agencies could use there. But then you mentioned sure. physical mail and outbound calling in ways that might be a little bit surprising without kind of yeah. you know sharing all the secret sauce, especially on those last two. Any specific examples of tactics that have maybe surprisingly worked well or maybe where there would be some low-hanging fruit of for someone listening to this to try something right now to diversify some of their new business efforts, anything you would call out there?
1: I don't want folks listening to think that we're all old school, but at the same time, we feel like you have to have that human element coupled with your tech stack. And we, and we are using tools like a Zoom Info and things like that that, that are not cheap, right. but great tools to have. However, what we are seeing in terms of the channels we're using and directly to, to answer your question, it, it's interesting. Yeah. So phone calling, it's still a thing. People will pick it up. Now that in particular has gotten harder, right? Because now it's working from home hybrid, whatever it is, typically maybe you might be reaching out to their cell phone and people can still, even today, get a little, not either without, I'm just not answering it or like, why, how, why are you calling me in my cell kind of a thing? So for us, we always want to get to levels of permission. So meaning it's using every channel, if you will, in concert with each other, but building up awareness, not too slowly, but not pestering them, not hitting them with three calls in a day, God forbid. But I so, love how
0: the double tap has become a triple tap now when it comes to outbound calling. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. I had it. Yes had an agency owner yesterday in a call say, if I almost told this guy to, we we'll use an explicative that I won't use here, but, and I'm like, I get it. Cause that's crazy. Three times in a day. I don't know. Uh, that's never going to work. I don't think, but. And for us, it is polite persistence. And we didn't coin that phrase, obviously, but but that is how we work. And that's part of that non-salesy approach, right? But, But you do have to be persistent. So for us, it's alternating how we're reaching out because again, you don't know where a prospect lives, right? We will typically go after roughly about 80 companies in a given month and add a new batch of 80 over each month. So we're quickly getting into the numbers. Numbers are important and that's not set in stone, but that way we can personalize the outreach when they're going down the funnel. Our tech stack is showing us that yes, they're clicking here or they're on this site or this landing page or what have you. But what we will do though, is we will send a physical mailing piece that our clients will produce. It doesn't have to be some amazing 3D mailer that costs a ton of money to create design and print, but it's something that's very straightforward and simple. And most importantly, shows the expertise. It shows them it's always accompanied by a letter that is hand signed by the new business director. It shows them that yeah, this is a real person, and by the way, we are experts in this space. That's why we're reaching out to you. When they get that piece in the mail, it's one piece that stands out. They're like, oh, wow, they're almost always going to open it because they just don't, it's not happening very often. And they see that, okay, now we have warmed up and made what could be a cold call warmer, and it gives you an entry point. Not always, but that does happen a lot. And so then what we'll do is reach out over the course of that month, alternating touches, over email, over phone, and LinkedIn, if you have a certain level of permission that there is some level of awareness, that's when we might connect. Or as everyone knows watching, if you're just looking at someone's LinkedIn profile, they're going to be able to see that depending on what level they're at. But I think it's making sure that you're never just hitting them too often or just using email, which is not really going to get you anywhere in our opinion. Yeah. But it's thinking about some of those tools that maybe other folks aren't using.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said in looking at, the, we're not just exhausting one channel and then moving on to the yeah. next. You're using all of them in concert with each other. The last question I wanted to hit you with before we get to our final two segments, Lee, you yeah. had some great advice for making sure that you don't get to that point of, hey, we just had to let someone go because it, it didn't work out. And you mentioned making sure that you're on the same page, asking some of those questions about what channels would you use? What Tools yeah. would you need? Anything else you would add to that list of questions for the agency owner who's listening to this? Maybe jotted down a couple of those and they're like, I'm going into a conversation next week. I would love to have one or two more questions on my list right now to ask this person that I'm looking at for taking over sales and new business development for the agency. Anything else make your list there that we would add for them?
1: I think one thing that we didn't really talk about maybe is um, who you're targeting. It's always interesting to me how many agencies there are that are just kind of freewheeling it in terms of the prospects they're going after and the companies they're going after. You know, I we have an interview series here and we interviewed a, a principal a agency out of Cleveland here about a week ago. And I loved, He called it intentionality, right? And I, I was like, I'm, I'm stealing that from you. <laughs> okay. And ultimately it's agencies often hear that you have to specialize, right? But I think the specialization piece, what a lot of agencies maybe, I won't say they don't realize it, but maybe they don't think about, you don't have to just be, go back to that, a pharma agency or a CPG agency. You can have multiple verticals, but you have to have that intentionality to be able to, to change that messaging up, number one, so that that individual that's in auto parts, you're not Obviously going to be speaking to food products in the same way. I'm just throwing things out, but I think that targeting piece is something, you know, if that individual next week was going to go in and have that conversation, as you said, you have to have that in your head before that individual that you're hiring or that's already there can reach out at all. And I think agencies too often it's a little too loosey goosey and they also have trouble where they're like, okay, well, fine, you tell us that Lee, but what can we do? You know, all we do is outdoor, for example. And it's where, okay, well, think about what outdoor means. Think about healthy living and lifestyle. Think about everything from food to uh, recreational vehicles. And so they don't think about some of these sub verticals. And I'll tell you, you can go and and just look at some of the codes or chat GPT is going to help you there to expand what you're going after to think more about, wow, there's a lot more and we have work to back this up that might not be that exact work, but it absolutely is. If nothing else, it's adjacent, let's say, where you can tell a great story and be, and that prospect's not going to wonder, why are you talking to me? Why, why are you reaching out to me? No, they're going to say, interesting. Okay. So I think that's one other big thing that I would make sure that you have nailed down. That that list, that prospecting list is the backbone of your entire program. Mm-hmm. And if that's not I won't say, you know, per, nothing's ever perfect. <laughs> but if you don't have that intentionality behind who you're going after, then mm-hmm. you don't really know what you're going to get. And you're and then you're just going to start taking what you get. And and that could work out, but it should, that's not how it should be. So,
0: yeah, oftentimes it, it doesn't. And, you know, to draw an analogy here, it's like hiring that new business person. And we talked about the The major pitfall earlier of not defining the path that you want them to go down and they don't know what path you want them to go down. What I hear you saying here is don't also forget to show them where that path is going. Like, you know, it, we talked earlier about not being in agreement on how they're going to sell, how they're going to do it, what their process is, what tools they need. But if they don't know who they're going after, then even none of that matters. So completely. I, I love that we brought it home on that point because I think it's could be assumed, but it's so foundational that it's very important and an easy thing to get wrong. So I think that's a great place to round it out and will lead us right into our fast five and our shout out before we wrap up today, Lee. So let's get into the fast five. Number one, you guys consult with a lot of agencies, but at the same time, I think it would be interesting to compare your answer to this question. We're asking a lot of agencies themselves. If you guys had an extra $10,000 a month, so 120 K a year to better, run the business. How do you think you would use that extra cash today, Lee?
1: I would have someone to come in and give us all massages. <laughs> well, actually, that might be good. No, you know what? My answer is Invest
0: be... in your people. It's a cultural investment. I like that.
1: Exactly. It, uh, no, it would, it would might be, this is a boring answer maybe, but you know what? We, I think we do a great job as a company, always making sure with our tech stack that we are exploring what else is out there so we don't get left behind. But I think a $10,000 know, outlay over a month would do a lot in helping us test and explore even more platforms and technology you know, that's out there. We do a great job today, but I think that certainly wouldn't hurt. So I think kind of the R&D tech piece, yeah, for sure.
0: I like it. Yeah. All right, Lee, number two, what are some of your all-time favorite business books that have impacted your career?
1: I want to try to act like I read two business books a week. I don't. I love to read. Uh, I was a history major and an English minor, and I read a lot of fiction and nonfiction. But I will tell you, and if folks are watching, this book is fairly recent. Peter Levitan, and I, he's not paying me, but uh, he has a really nice agency background. You'll look, look him up on LinkedIn. He's a consultant now, and he just released a book, How to Build a Kick-Ass Advertising Agency. The title tries to draw you in, but it is excellent and it's a great primer if you're getting into the industry and if you've been steeped in the industry, it's excellent because it touches on business development, but also the operations piece, the financial piece. So I think right now that's that's the one I throw out there. I love it. All right.
0: Number three, Lee, what's one mistake you've made in your career that you'll never forget?
1: I, I, gosh, that's a tough one. I've made no mistakes. So we can just move on. Uh no,
0: I Best think the answer to number three I've gotten in right? 25 plus episodes of this show.
1: <laughs> Completely untrue. No, I think it's it's hiring. I think we have learned so much in our entire hiring process and realized early on that when it comes to business development directors, I mean, because that's what we do is provide a new business development director for each agency client. Up front early. So we were 18 years old. I've been here for 16 years. And early on, it was, they had to have worked in an agency, you know, the sales piece of it, it'll happen. It's like, wow, quickly realize the opposite. They better be great salespeople and they can learn the ad agency industry. It's nice that there's both. But I think for us, what we realized early on was, okay, any new business director we have that that we're going to put on an agency account is going to have 15 to 20 years of sales and marketing experience. And that's, I'm not going to say we we were perfect at hiring even today. I don't know if anyone could say that, right? But that went a long way towards, okay, now we're seeing like what's really going to be working. So-
0: yeah, good stuff. All right, Lee, this, you might, you know, answer for as a proxy for a lot of the agencies sure. that you work with and the folks that you're talking to on a day-to-day basis. What do you think is the hardest part about agency life?
1: Business development. Is that a shock? <laughs> easy I really one, believe easy that. Do, not, it is seen. easy, but I'm telling you, honestly, right. I, if you ask any agency owner, I bet they will answer the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Uh, flip side of that, what do you think is the best part about agency life?
1: Are you ready? business development. <laughs> I'm serious yeah. I, because I love it. And so I am totally passionate about it. I think if you ask an agency owner, though, well, let's so I'll stop being coy, but I am being completely serious. I think what I what I love about working with agencies now for as long as I have, and even before I was in this position, I worked with agencies in a different capacity, but I love that, especially creative firms, but not just because those teams and the fact that you are in those trenches together, for lack of a better word, I think, and once you, whatever it is, whether you're creating a campaign or what, you know, once it's done and it's out there and it's kind of something that you all have created together, I love it when we see our agency clients win and all that hard work they put into it, man, it is awesome. I mean, you can relate it to being on a sports team or or, or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be sports. But I think to me that looking from the outside seems to be how amazing that you all did this thing together and-, yeah. and Bam, especially when it works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you yeah. brought the team analogy. I was just looking at a LinkedIn post earlier today from one of our previous guests on the podcast, Kyle DuFord, with the brand leader. And he said that they recently, you know, changed this of officially within their team to stop referring to their agency as a family and start referring to it as a team. And I think some people would balk at that of like, oh, well, you don't want to love your people. Quite, quite the opposite. Yeah. You're not saying, well, you have to be loyal and you have to just stay here forever because we're a family and that's what we do. But a team can have great camaraderie. And the the other reason that that's a great analogy is what you just said. It's not just about the camaraderie. It's about accomplishing things together that is Absolutely. exciting as well as challenging at the very same time. So I love that you rounded out there. Lee, last question we always ask, who is someone that you would like to give a shout out to that has impacted your career, your journey in what you're doing and the way that you're helping agencies, who do you want to give a a shout out or thank or mention today?
1: Yeah, I think my parents were great because they instilled in me like a love of public speaking. A lot of people don't love that, which helped me then in sales because I love to talk to people and try to sell without actually selling, you know, uh, in other words, not, not forcing it. My father did a lot uh, in healthcare and was consistently and constantly speaking. My mother was a teacher for 45 years in Nashville, Tennessee, where I grew up. And so they both instilled that in me. But then I really would say our president, Mark, and, and kind of the team we have, we're a little bit different in terms of a sales organization. There's actually not a lot of firms like us, there's a ton of legion firms, of course, but only working with agencies and the fact that we're not just about meetings, but trying to get them actually closer to closing that business. I'm consistently learning and fascinated by this industry. And so I think Mark in creating this, and it was actually created in the UK, but he created this piece in the US, I think it's just been a fantastic place to learn and, and to work. So that's right I throw out there.
0: I love to hear that. All right, Lee. Well, for anyone listening to this who wants to stay connected with you individually, find out more about what you guys are doing at RSW or get access to the report. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes. But what would be the easiest way for folks to uh, engage with you guys directly from here?
1: Sure. Just starting on our website, which is rswus.com. And our resources tab has a ton of content. If you're an agency like struggling with business development from that report, which you can download at no cost to eBooks, videos, there's, there's a lot there. And and so uh, ideally that's going to be helpful for folks that are, that are, that are looking for that type of content.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much for the conversation today, for giving us some do's and don'ts of bringing on that new business director and looking to hire a salesperson to get out of founder-led sales and some very tactical things to implement into your sales process without it being too salesy, as we said from the very top. So Lee, I appreciate Absolutely. the time today and thank you for uh, adding so much value to our listeners today on Agency Life.
1: Absolutely, Logan. Thanks for having me. It was great.
0: You've been listening to Agency Life, and if you made it this far, you're probably enjoying the show. If so, you can help other agency leaders find the show in about 14 more seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you can simply scroll down till you see ratings and reviews and tap the number of stars you think the show deserves. We'll really appreciate it, and so will the other agency leaders who find the show based on your rating. And if you're looking for even more content to support your agency life journey, check out teamwork.com agency life. There you can search through past episodes, get access to the Agency Life newsletter, and find additional video content to support and inspire you as you continue on this crazy roller coaster ride that is agency life.